You're listening to Poropod. Welcome as we, Portia the lifelong fan and Amanda the first time reader, discover the books of Agatha Christie. We are sisters who live on opposite ends of the U.S. doing a quarantine project and who love to be soothed by British murder mysteries. In this shithole of a moment in history, it's nice to have Poirot or Miss Marple solve it all. Welcome to Poropod. Poropod. Welcome to today's special episode where we are live in person together. Whoa. Yep. First time since the pandemic that we are seeing each other. And so this is a special recorded episode on a weeknight because um, I'm visiting. Yeah. So it's kind of amazing. We are, Thank you we to are the vaccinated magic, and magic of science. For that. Magic of science. That <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. But yes, yay science vaccinations so that um, Amanda could be here in person. And it's just weird. I'm now looking at you in person as opposed to across a computer screen. Yeah, yeah it's, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, and so today's episode is on murder in Mesopotamia, uh, published in 1935. And it is a Poirot mystery. Definitely a Poirot mystery. And what's interesting about this one is that, again, going with the sort of like, we got rid of Hastings thing, there is, the author is a, the, the, the faux author. We're told that this is, was written by a nurse who, um, Amy Leatherin, there's this like intro from the doctor who hired her, who asked her to write this as a memoir from her experience being there. Right. And so it's an interesting setup. And, and he says... She was embarrassed about the way, you know, how she writes and everything, but I thought, you know, her more conversational style would be really good. And so they kind of set up her as a, as the voice of this memoir. And then, yeah, the rest of it is entirely from her point of view. So they have like one quick scene at the beginning that's kind of omniscient. And then there's, the rest of it is from Nurse nurse Leatherin's point of view. And And she's a British nurse who had gone with a family to... Iraq and then that job had ended and then a doctor that she knew hired her for this other job and it was like this archaeologist who's there his wife it was kind of vague like why she needed a nurse but like it was a job and she wasn't ready to go home yet she'd just gotten to Iraq and so she was so she was like cool I'll take the job but we weren't sure why his wife needed a nurse right it was all very vague and then um, she goes to the dig, which I only know from Agatha Christie books that are called Tell Something Something Something. Huh? Like, it was called Tell Something, and I know from other books that Tell is like a title, meaning like dig something something something. It means oh. that. But anyway. Um, I didn't even catch that. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, but there, but he's, an, he's a Swedish-American archaeologists and he's been an archaeologist yeah and he's in his 40s his wife is in his 40s um and then uh then we meet a bunch of other people in the household and before we even meet her the nurse is going to about to go to this household and she meets other people who know about the household other 
British types who are like, oh, it's lovely, Louise. She's so much, blah, blah, blah. So, like, she can, she's obviously a force or a personality yeah, that, everybody... especially that women seem to hate and men seem to be attracted to kind of person. Right. Everybody has a strong opinion about her. Like, yeah, men seem to think she's lovely for the most part. Women seem to be annoyed by her. But uh, Nurse Leatherin thinks she's lovely when she yeah. does finally meet her. But everyone has a strong opinion about this woman. Yeah. And this goes to one of my questions because it's, again, I think Christy talks about how she's so beautiful that it can cause trouble. And I always am like, what does that mean exactly? <laughs> like, who are we talking about? Can we have some references here? Like, yeah. Can she reference somebody from 1935 that we can look up and go, oh, because when she's done this several times, because you know she likes to talk about people's looks. Right. This one, she actually talked about men's looks. Mm-hmm. There was a whole scene where she was like talking about all the men and how they looked. Yeah, she did. And and then what was the other thing was that the women, at least in this, seemed to think that Louise was the kind of attractive person, or just maybe the kind of person that gets bored and likes to fuck with people. Likes right. Likes to manipulate people over, like use her attractiveness to sort of... So, like, there's a husband and wife, and she's sort of very friendly with the husband, and you can tell the wife can't stand her. And she's not actually interested in the husband, but it entertains her, too. But they also said that she was very kind, and that her messing with people is kind of was kind of unconscious, which is also, like... Right. So, but apparently they've been doing these digs for many, many years, and they've been great, and then... This year, the dig is very tense. And, and this every- is the first year that Louise has come No, it's the second year second she, year that she was there. And so, like, why was the dig so tense? And even before she gets there, the people that she talks to about where she's going are like, it's hard to describe the tension there, but basically people pass the butter a little too politely. Yeah, that was and a great description. I thought was a really good description yeah. of sort of like that tension at the dinner table. Because there's all these people who are working on the dig and then they live together and eat together and everything. Right. So we could talk... So quick little thing about all the different um, people there. Because everybody has a job, mostly. So um, there's a couple of archaeologists, the Dr. Leitner and his good friend, Carrie. So Richard Carey and, um is the other archaeologist, right? Um uh, and then there's Miss Johnson, who's been working with Dr. Leitner forever. Right. Um, there's the Mercados. Um, That's the couple. Right. Who's the, yeah, Mr. Mercado is an archaeologist. And then Mrs. Mercado, she did jobs. I can't remember what her job was. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then there was... Um, Two young, no, three young men, right? Um, two Americans and a British guy. Um, yeah, Carl Ryder is the young American guy from Chicago who kind of almost seems like a caricature of a guy from Chicago, so you're like not sure if he's real or not. Right, right. And um, he was kind of wimpy, so apparently Mrs. Leitner like, teased him and made him even more wimpy. Like, I think he, she, 
because these guys, the um, these three young men were probably in their twenties, and she was in her forties. Oh, okay. I'm I'm mixing up Bill Coleman and Carl Ryder. Right, Bill Coleman was the one that was more of a personality. Right, and Ryder was the one she kind of picked on. Right, and um, Ryder was the one she picked on, who was like, she she made him befuddled, like he would trip or make mistakes, right. and then it would okay. get worse, and she would tease him, and then that would make him even more. Right. So then, um, yeah, the. Then there was another American who was super quiet, and they were talking about how it's unusual that the American is quiet, and Bill Coleman, the British guy, was loud. Right. But I'm kind of glad because she'd done the loud American several times, so we're right. We're not having to be. Um, and there's Doctor uh, Father Lavingly, who is a French monk, who is supposed to read anything they find on the day. Yeah, he interprets the the writing. Right. Um. And then there's Dr. Riley and his daughter, and they don't live, um, at, they don't work at the dig. They actually live in the name, the town that's close by, Hassania, Hassania. Right. Um, and uh, so he's got a young, doc, a young daughter in her 20s, and he's the doctor who originally hired right, the right, nurse. Right, right, right. Um, and said, hey, um, uh, they need some help out there. And then his daughter apparently will go out and visit the dig, flirt with the young men in their 20s, but also she liked to flirt with the Air Force because it is Iraq in the 30s because the British Empire, colonialism, you know. Yeah. So um, so when, when she gets there, she's not really sure why she's nursing. Like, what does this woman need? Um, it's kind of vague. And so she finally, they click kind of well. The The woman who, Louise... And the nurse click and they get along. And so fairly quickly, Louise comes out and says that she's been really nervous and anxious because she's been getting these threatening letters and she's been seeing like weird faces and people stalking her. And she had a, she was married before when she was young and it was during World War One, So this was 20 years earlier. And she found out that her husband, who worked in the State Department, was a spy. And so she turned him in to her. Or she told her father, basically, who also worked for the State Department. She basically, you know, snitched. And he was took, taken off to jail and then escaped and died in a, in a, in a train, train crash. Train crash, yeah. And so every time over the years, it's been like 10 years since then... And every time over the years when she would start to, like, date someone, she would get these threatening letters that say, you know, you can never marry any other man but your husband, you know, you... And then she'd basically back off anyone that she was getting serious with. Right, right. I do wonder, because this kind of matters, the time difference, because it was a little bit vague of when the first marriage was. Oops. Why can't I scroll up? <laughs> so basically Stop. she's been getting threatening letters and then oh so when she married but when she met this her her current husband um uh dr leidner she didn't get the letters until after they were married and then they just started up again recently and so she's kind of feeling very stuck she's scared and it still doesn't make a lot of sense for a nurse to be there with her but it just sort of like seems like someone to help her stay calm and sort of take care of her. 
So this one says 15 years ago. So, okay. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so I guess, yeah, so, yeah. Well, but, I guess, yeah, because they've been married for 12 years now. No, she'd only been married to this dude for two years. Oh, that's what I mean. Something, yeah, okay, sorry. Yeah, she'd been married to this dude for two years, and then there was, like, yeah, 12, 13 years in between. Yeah. So, uh... Yeah, so it's an interesting thing because, of course, if you hire a nurse and not a detective. Right. And so people were sort of, even the people around her were sort of like, what does she need a nurse for? Like, she's making this all up for attention. She's pretending to see things. Or she, you know, like, a lot of people think she's just doing it for show. But the nurse believes her that she's just very anxious and that she's scared. Yeah, so is it, but yeah, so it's, she's an interesting character and obviously designed to be so because it's like she's supposed to be so beautiful and she provokes such reactions from everybody. Nobody has a like, hey, except for the nurse. The nurse is pretty neutral. The nurse she's like, I liked her. She's delightful, but like, right, you know, it doesn't seem. But that's not how Poirot described it. He pro he described it as that she was taken in immediately. Oh uh, yeah, so maybe she's one of the rare women who was taken in by her charms. Right. Yeah. Which you know. So, uh, so that's the scene, right? We set the scene. We set the scene. Okay. Okay. Nurse. So, so then they have a day, like she's there for a few days. Just then, a few days. Right. And then like, there is one thing where like, they hear a sound in the room that looked like they were spelling antique wrong. Antica room, where they kept all the stuff yeah, that they antica. found on the yeah. day. Um, and, uh, they heard a sound and then the father dude was like, I saw a light in there and they're trying to find and, and, um, yeah, um, Mrs. Uh, Leitner was just super jumpy. And then, um, they go by a couple of days and it seemed like Mrs. Leitner was feeling a little bit better because the nurse was there and the nurse, right. they kept talking about how everyone said to the nurse, cause we're reading this from the nurse's point of view, how sensible and they didn't say the word grounded because that's not the language. But she definitely... Yeah. She seems sensible. And everyone liked her since her being sensible. Yeah. and But obviously, she seemed like a pretty good nurse. That she was just like, okay, we'll take care of this. Right. Then no no nonsense. Right. Sympathetic. Yeah. Right. And she did get, you know, different people's take on, the, on Louise just to get their information. But she wasn't really, you know, swept up in any of the rumors either. Right. She just was like, like, yeah, okay, well, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to just take care of you. I'll take care of you. Yeah. So then one afternoon, Mrs. Leitner goes to go take a nap. And, um, I think, uh, nurse Leatherman read a book or something. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And so then, um, Dr. Leitner had been, so the way they described the, it's like a compound ish where um, there's one gate to get into this thing. And then there's a bunch of rooms, um, right? You know, bedrooms and dining room and uh, like hangout room. And And then they, they're actually, there's a roof where they do work. They're like sorting the pottery. Yeah. So on the roof. Yeah. And I, I had a picture in my head of like more of a clay, type building mm-hmm. that had flat roof that people could hang out on top of. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so there was, so Dr. Leitner was on top of the roof and then um, one of the dudes, Emmett, 
I think was going up and down. Up and down, like while they were working. A bunch of other because they also have a photography room, and then they have a room that's supposed to have all those scrolls, and then they have the Atika room. So basically, everywhere, everyone was somewhere else. Yeah. Um, And so then um, Doctor Lightner comes down, and then's like, "Oh, I'll go find my wife." And then he goes in, and he comes back out, and says, "Oh my God, she's dead. She's dead." And and then the nurse comes in and checks her. She's definitely dead. But dead for a while. Yeah, and then when... It's interesting because when the doctor comes, he asks the nurse, how long do you think she was dead? And the nurse is is very aware of her role. She's always referring to, like, doctors and nurses. And she's like, well, I'm just a nurse. And he's like, yeah, but how long has she been dead when you found her? And she said, I think about an hour. And he was like, that tracks with what I think now. It's been about three hours and whatever. So they're always sort of inserting her... You know, her very, I, this is what a nurse does, this is what a doctor does, and but they, the men and doctors around her kind of build her up. Like, she's sensible, she knows what she's doing, she knows what she's right. talking about. Right, she gets about. a lot of respect as a nurse, yeah. But she definitely was like, yeah, she's been in for a while, and she'd been hit in the head, and she was by her bed. Right, and the major clues in the room was that the window was locked and closed, and there was blood on the... A carpet that was over by the wash basin. Right, right. And then she was, yeah, she was on the floor as if she had been hit in the head um, right by her bed. So they assumed that someone came in while she was napping and that, like, you know, she stood up to interact with them. and But someone had to hit her from up above. Right. And the weird part is, is that this is basically a compound. The tell is like a compound and it has one entrance gate. And there are other workers... We side note, we can talk about the casual racism of the book. Yeah. Because everybody who was not from Europe or America was not a person. Yeah, they were just props. And so all those workers or servants were like witnesses to say no strangers came on and are off the compound. But that none of them were individuals or had names. Yeah, none of them had Zero women. people had names who were not. <laughs> who were not white. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, and, um, but, so there was one young boy who was, like, on guard. I guess it was his job to sit in the middle of the courtyard. Um, and he went away, um... Uh, yeah, he went to go, like, hang out with his friends when the when the white guy cause, left. Because sitting in the courtyard by yourself is boring. And then, um, everybody was like, well, that must have been when somebody went into her room. Because there was no other way to get in her room. Like, there's one door. Yeah, one door to her room, and the window was closed and locked. And so, inside. like, how do we, you know, and so then it's like, oh, my gosh, how do we do this? Because um, there was a few minutes where there was nobody in the courtyard because everybody, it was one of those, like, every like some of the other books we read where everybody was doing something in right. a different place. So there didn't seem to be anyone who could have gone into her room at the time. So there's no one we're even suspecting because no one could have done it. Right, because everyone's busy doing a thing. So, um, and then, um, magically, guess who's in the Middle East? Right. It's, it's Paro. So, the local police person, and yeah. I don't think local, like, Iraqi. No, local, like, colonial, colonial. British. <laughs> Captain Maitland. Yeah. British like, policeman, yeah. Yeah, so. and he's like, oh, this is a lot more than we usually deal with here, but is in town, so I'm going to call him up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because colonialism, yeah. Because this is before 
World War II. I don't know how they work your computer. These are the problems. I don't want to go. I think it's also because I zoomed it. Oh, it's, yeah, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, anyway, so Pararo comes. And this is where it was really interesting to have a different Hastings. I love that. They, so he sort of adapts, adopts the nurse as his number two. Right. And she's like on it. And she even like has this great thing where she's like, when you are assisting a surgeon who is good, your job is to hand them what they need anticipate what they might need it's a really hard job it's important she wasn't saying that her job was less and that's what i loved about it because there wasn't this you're dumb not at all it was my job is this your job is that and it was definitely like i'm the nurse you're the surgeon as the nurse i need to be on it i anticipate hand you the it was so cool right and then like and and he he knew that she had like just taking on that role. And so, like, there'd be times when, like, she's around the corner eavesdropping, and he didn't tell her to do that, but she knew that was the right thing to do. And then when the person leaves, he's like, you can come out now. What was your impression? Like, she also, she's very good at anticipating what he's going to need her to do. And it's, and they, you know, I think they're both using the analogy of the surgeon. Right, like, after she does it to herself, then he says it, like, you're going to be my nurse to... And then... Yeah, I, and it works so well. Again, worked. this is the second book in a row. Like last time, he was sort of a mentor to that French police guy, right? And in this one, he, you know, not a mentor, but like is in that role with this assistant, but like treating her very appropriately. And there was none of the like, Abusive. you haven't figured out what I have, so therefore you're dumb. It was Tell me not. what you think, so that I can know what the wrong answer is. Right, but she also wasn't. Trying to be like, I mean, because one of the things about Hastings is he would always be like, oh, I can do what you do. And that probably is why her pro is like, no, you can't. Oh, you're actually. right. You're right. And that's the thing. is because even when they asked her what the time of death was, she's like, I'm just a nurse. Like, she's very aware of roles. And he was like, yeah, but you know a lot. But you're right. I think that they're her not wanting to be like, I'm just as good as you at your job. Right. Her wanting to be the assistant. But she definitely knows how to do her job had a lot of respect from people. I mean, I mean, obviously there's a gender aspect to it, but yeah. where nurses are, but she felt very competent and respected, I think yeah. by everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Proro definitely was like, I, I don't know if he just was like, you got here two days ago. You don't care about this person. Right. Um, you're clearly going to be, obviously he's taken on people as their, as his assistant who turned out to be the murderer. So, right. Um, well, and he does, when he does the big reveal, he kind of goes through how he considered everybody. And he does say, I considered that she might be a man in disguise and blah, blah. And she got so pissed at that point, but you know, he does the thing like I have to consider everybody. Right. Right. So yeah. It, um, but I, yeah, it was one of my favorite, like pro row to, um, somebody else yeah. interactions because there totally. wasn't the like you're stupid because you can't yeah it was it. nice to see her being like i knew this is what he needed and i did it and i was right like it was like a positive experience for her right which after that all the hazing hastings abuse is like, <laughs> right right <laughs> like, it was yeah. nice to see that you know yeah because she definitely and he really does sort of like pull her in more and more and i really liked that it was also a new person describing him 
where she does go, I wonder if he's married and he has somebody at home. She said that once. Oh, I didn't catch that. And then another time um, she was, there's a second death, which we'll tell you about. But after the second death, which she tried to save the person, um, she burst into tears. And the nurse said something like, he couldn't have been more sympathetic if he was a woman. Which goes back to the, right? you know, like Satterwaith, Praro, like gender yes. roles. Like being sympathetic is more of a... a uh, a female to thing to do so um so anyway so poro interviews everybody with the nurse's help so it's again it's a little bit of the i came up with the term after we recorded last time of a oh did i lose it again (laughs) not a bucket episode bottle episode not a bucket but we're like we have a limited list of um, oh of suspects, suspects because like you know what I mean unless there's been some sort of mistake it can't be this so basically Paro lines up that and I think we can do this before we talk about the second murder or do we do this talk about the second murder wait 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 I don't know where you're going like what are the options for who killed her right right so I guess we could we yeah. know that she had this husband who died but then these letters seem to be. On his behalf. Like, he's your only husband. So, like, is it him and he didn't really die? He also had a younger brother who apparently worshipped him. So, is it the younger brother who's been stalking her all these years? Right. Um, Or is it someone else sort of, like, using that threatening letter thing to their advantage? And it's not even about that. Because, you know, there's the woman whose husband flirts with her. Maybe she hated her enough Or the woman who works for Dr. Leitner and has always felt close to him. Yeah, there seems to be this Anne woman seems to... Is that Anne Johnson? Is that right? She seems to clearly, like, have, you know, feelings for him. They were working together all these years and then now he marries this woman. So there's a lot of, mostly women, who seem to have a motive. Right. Um, And then there's the one, um, Mr. Carey... Yeah, it's interesting. He's not Dr. Carey, but they say he's a colleague. But anyway, um, he, um, there, uh, several people said that, including the nurse, were like, oh, yeah, they hated each other because they yeah. barely spoke. And, and then, he was basically Dr. Leidner's long-term friend, long-term colleague. And so they interpreted there was some resentment between him and Louise. But then um, Sheila Riley, who was the young lady, the only young lady in the story, was like, oh, no, no, no. That's all an act. They're sleeping together. Right, right. So, um, or they're, yeah, in love with each other anyway. I didn't. And then, and then the, and then the, right, they didn't say sleeping together. <laughs> they went um, on walks. They went on walks. We know what that means. Come on, guys. We know what that means. Anyways. <laughs> I'm joking. But um, they did say made love. At some point at the end. Right, but then again, but I've noticed in the other novels, when they say made love, it they means mean, like conversation. Right. Like it's, it doesn't yeah. mean what it means now. Right, right. So, but um, the other, th- so there's several of these people have been on these digs for years, but there's also several new people. So when we're looking at who could be the ex-husband in, surprise, in disguise or right, the brother in disguise. So we're kind of looking at like, who's the right age to be the brother? Who's the right age to be the husband? If they snuck in. Because, like, father... Would she recognize loved, her husband lovely. after all the, after 15? That's why we were obsessing about the years. Because, like, would she recognize her husband after 15 years if he was in disguise? Right. And um, 
And Dr. No, Father Lovingly was new. Right. Several of the young men, two of the young men were, were new. new. Um, and they could have been the right age to be the brother. Right. Um, which, yeah, because I'm wondering, because if, if he, the dead husband, was supposed to be uh, in his 40s, or the question if he's dead, because the letters, um, and then the his younger brother was 20 years younger, that's the part where... That's what they said, which didn't make a lot of... I mean... Right. You can have but a But maybe that much the younger. young men were in their 30s. Agatha and her ages are sometimes <laughs> a little bit. Exactly. Right? I, have, I think. Well, because they also kept talking about how Mrs. Leitner was in her 40s but still beautiful. But he was old and stooped. Like right. they were like, he's older and like his, oh, her, his shoulders yeah. are stooped. The husband. Dr. Leitner. Yeah, yeah. 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 And then, so, Poirot is Poiroting around. Interviews everybody, pisses a lot of people off, including Mr. Carey, because oh did oh yeah because he talks to Mr. Carey about that and and he gets all defensive and stuff about maybe having a thing for Louise yeah and he's like I hated her, um so um yeah he interviews everybody, and then um one night um oh so Anne. Is, so Anne is the woman who has been sort of in love with him all these years, is his close colleague. She starts having these angsty moments where right. lo, uh, the nurse walks in and she's crying in his office. Right, and she burns something that looks like it might have been one of the letters. Right. So then nurse is like, did you write the letters? They never called her Anne. They called her Miss Johnson. It was very formal. I okay. thought they were... Miss yeah. Johnson. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm being informal because we're friends, but that's just me and her. <laughs> You're friends with Anne. <laughs> I didn't realize I was being too informal with her. Um, she's being angsty. And, and she's like crying in the office. Seems to have a, burning something that looks like one of the threatening letters. Oh, another clue about the threatening letters is they're in handwriting that kind of looks like Louise's own handwriting. Right. So then the question was like, did she do it herself? Was she or... writing her own threatening letters? But she did... that. The way she died was not suicide. Right, because you can't be hit on the top of the head really hard. And yeah. at this time, women writing threatening letters to themselves was like totes a thing, according to the book. Right. That, people... that like, if you if you went to the police and said, I'm getting threatening letters, they'd be like, you wrote them yourself. Yeah. So they did talk about that. And then the nurse finds Ms. Johnson. Yes. <laughs> not Anne. On the roof. On the roof, like staring. Into the courtyard. And she's like... She looks horrified. Yeah. And, and the an nurse moment. is like, what's wrong? And she's like, I just figured out how somebody could have come from the outside and done the murder. And she's like, how? And she's like, I can't tell you. I can't tell you. So she, but she's really upset. And so the nurse like tries to help her calm down and feel better. And then she's awkward at dinner. Right. And then that's it for Miss Johnson. And so then in the middle of the night, Miss Johnson... Oh, it's rough. Oh, God. Oh, one of the worst go, murders. Man. Oh, God. They, some, so they use acid, hydrochloric acid, to clean the, the artifacts that they find in the dig. So she had a glass of water by her bed because... As we do. As, as we do. Does. And she picked up the glass of water in the middle of the night and, and drank hydrochloric acid, and that's what killed her. And so the nurse comes in because she hears her screaming... Dying, oh, the worst way to die. Oh, God. And then when she comes in, the woman just looks at her and says, window. Right. Well, the nurse tries to save her. They tried to give her, um, um, I think, baking soda because 
all the uh, things. Uh, acid, olive oil, but she, she dies because hydrochloric acid. Whoa. Like, just horrible. But um, the clue she got out was window. Window. And so... Um, they're like, someone came in the window and swapped out your water with the acid. So then that's... We've and then, up- of course, like... I feel like in these things, they're always like, it's suicide. Like, no one suicides that way. That is not... Oh, my God, no. Yeah. No, that's clearly... Um, so then it was not long after that that we have the um, the reveal, which took a long time. Again, it did. <laughs> it was a classic pro like, let's bring everybody together, and I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay it all out for a very long time. For a in very all, long time. And I'm going to go through... How I suspected everybody, all the possibilities suspecting everybody in every possible way until we get to the actual solution. Instead of it was like, I thought it might have been that fly on the wall. Because what if that fly, like it was <laughs> just like so, so true. like, oh my god, Everybody, gosh. like no one was left Including, out. And that's why he said, he's like, you know, it could have been this nurse who just got here. Like the murder happens right after she comes. That's weird. Maybe she is the brother in disguise. And she's like, hey, rude. Yeah. And someone else was like, well, we thought about it too. And I was like, well, she must have been a little... Stucky, because right, more right. than one person suggested that maybe she was a man in disguise. Right, right. And she got really pissed because she thought she and Pryor were close now, but he's like, I have to suspect everyone. Right, right. So, yeah, but his, yeah, he definitely was like, oh, my gosh, let me tell you, let me tell you every minute thought process. But basically, that's, that's when he lays out his hypothesis. So, who's writing the letters all these years? She writing her to herself for attention. Every time she starts to get close to someone because she doesn't really want to get too close to someone. Is it her husband really didn't die and is stalking her? Is it the husband's brother? Is it someone else? And then he had this whole thing about like, okay, every time she got close to someone, it happened except for with Dr. Leitner. But then after they got married, she got one from him. And then they tried to like, there was an accident or a, a or something happened where they, they tried to like gas poison the house and they had to escape. So it was like they got a threatening letter and then something happened. Like someone tried to poison, you know, poison right, them with gas right. in their house. And the first letter didn't arrive until they'd been together for like a year. And then they had the gas I poison. I thought it was right after they got married. No, no, no. It was a while. Okay. And then um, and then um, the gas thing happened. The letter, then gas thing. And then they left and they went overseas for the first dig, I think. And it was fine. And then... The second dig, it was like the letters were like yeah, showing up, getting more serious again, and then that's when she started seeing these things, like seeing faces in windows and hearing noises at night, and kind of feeling like someone was trying to scare her. Right. And oh, that's what, oh, we forgot ahead. one other clue. What's that? The random dude. There was a random Iraqi dude. Oh, there was a random Iraqi dude. Again, who was like, nameless? Who? Yeah, because nameless. Yeah, who was like peeking in, and the nurse saw him peeking, and then. The she saw him talking to Father, what's his name? Lovingly, lovingly, lovingly. Um, and to the audiobook anyway. Yeah, and uh, well, it was French. I don't know. I'm gonna mispronounce it anyway. Um, and so then they're trying to describe this person to the cops and Poirot and the nurse and fa- the father describe him totally differently. Right. He was light. He was dark. He was short. He was tall. Like, right. Yeah. yeah. But the main thing is they both are like he was rocky. Um, and so like that seemed to be, I don't know, because even, um, the first time we saw him, um, it was before Mrs. Leitner had died 
and um, he was kind of lurking around the house and she freaked out because she was like oh my god it's it's the guy with the letters and then when she saw that it wasn't a british guy she was like oh okay right um but um so first um reveal was about him and father lovingly yeah lovingly sure yeah. and i mean you're getting any closer than me i mean <laughs> We both um, struggle with it. Um, so uh, the first reveal was that he wasn't who he says he was. That oh right, 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 right. So yeah, so he is a French jewel thief or antiquities thief. He's a, he's a French forger thief dude. And so he would go in and do wax um, molds molds of the artifacts they would found, make copies, and then switch them out and steal his... a real one. And so he was working with this Iraqi dude that the nurse saw, and then that's why he described him so differently from the nurse because he was like, "No, he's not at all like that. He's looked totally different. He's right." And the it turns out of- he so the name is a real person who works in antiquities, but this was an imposter because no one had actually met that person. Right. But because he was well vetted for, they're like, "He's famous in our field," but no one had actually met him. Right. That so he was. So that was the first like, yes, he's a fake person, but no, he's not involved in the murder. He's just steely. Which reminded me of the dude in Murder at the Vicarage. Like, right. almost exactly the yeah, same. very similar. Yeah, very, right. very similar. Yeah, Ar- archaeologist. Yeah, who, you're right, that is the same plot. <laughs> yeah, Murder at the Vicarage thing where he's suspicious, thief, but it turns out, like... Not a murderer. Not a murderer. And, but it's interesting because in this case, they were playing on two things. One, he was using the name of an actual person pretending... That was it, yeah, same. same and thing. then the other guy was playing on the fact that they didn't think of Iraqis as actual people. Right. You know, and so the fact that he was trading with him and they were working together um, didn't occur to them that this there was an Iraqi who was right. doing this theft thing because, you know, Iraqis weren't actual people. So. Right. Um, right, so that's the first big reveal. Yeah. Um, and what's weird is, like, when Poirot is, like, telling this, and I think, is the police person there in the room? I think so. They don't, like, cut to the fake father to be like, No, no, curses. he, remember, he disappeared the day before. Oh, uh, okay. And the, everybody was convinced that he was dead somehow because it was the, not right after Miss Johnson was killed. And uh, so okay. they were like, oh, my I God, is he that. dead? You know, like, oh, no, my God, he, it's all about the murders. Escaped. He had just run away. Okay. Um, that makes more sense. Yeah, so they didn't cut to him. But, uh, then Poirot talks forever about all the other people who could be, um, have done it. And then finally was like, it was none of them. Because he basically, every single person has a motive except for the nurse, unless she was pretending to. But everybody else was like, you were jealous. You were in love with her. You were, you know, like right. every you single. Yeah. Except for the nurse. Except for the nurse had a motive. Um, and then he was like. And of course her husband didn't have a motive. Right. Right. Um, and then he was like, yeah. But then it turns out that it was her husband who did it. And it's insane because the big twist is her husband is her first husband. So. From 15 years ago. So he was he escaped from jail and then he's on a train there was a big train crash and this swedish guy actually did die and then he switched identities with the you know face disfigured his death disfigured right so then this guy 
took his identity and and, and then like just became Dr. Eric Leitner. And so like actually took on the field of archaeology like seriously as a career. And so that's like, oh, like how do you pretend to and be And then like you know, he has an actual colleagues and stuff, right? Like right. It's one thing if you like like if he cuz he was like apparently at the time a young archaeologist. So, how does he like take on his identity and not meet anyone who knew him before? Right. There's that, that problem. Is a major problem. Like I was just like, okay, so you're the guy drives on the train, you have his name now, and like you're in the field he was in. And then you're like, cool, fake Swedish accent, he's supposed to be Swedish American, so fake Swedish accent. But then like I'm going to archaeology things. It's not that big of a field. It's not like dentistry. <laughs> it seems like in archaeology it'll be like, Oh, Dr. Leibner's here. I met him before. Huh. That's it's a like, different dude. Right. And, and then like, does he never get pushed to speak Swedish at any point? Because like, it'd be one thing if the Swedish American had died in America and then he came over to Britain and was mostly dealing with British archaeologists. But also, as you point out, archaeologists, wherever they are in the world, they all go and dig in similar places at the time. We know that um, in the 30s was when um, Tutankhamun was found. I imagine you got to arrange funding for these digs. Like, you can't just, like, show up and be like, you know what I mean? Like, right. you got to, huh? Right. And then there's the Louise. whole, like, right. So the, the, the solution to the case is that he, so his wife turns him in and he's like, well, that sucks. But I still love her, and I'm possessive of her. So every time she starts to date someone seriously, I'm gonna send threatening letters that in and fake handwriting that kind of looks like hers, so she can't go to the cops. And then, after some number of years, somewhere between twelve or 12, thirteen, yeah, he meets her again under his new persona, and marries her. And this is the part where we were discussing those of us who have. Exes. Like, you would... What? So I'm trying to think. Okay, so the, their marry? marriage... Okay, so 12 years is nothing. And, and they were... They were supposed to have been together very briefly. Right. So we have to think... But okay. long enough to court and marry. Right. So think about short relationships we've been in and then 12 years go by. But a short but... Significant. Significant. And intimate. So, yeah. Yeah. Because, like, did she think all penises look like that? I mean, like, or is it, like, she, did she only see the two and she's, like... And so, yeah, so Praro's solution... Praro's solution was that, like, well, now he had, you know, had a, you know, he was gained weight. And, and a, he was stooped. And, and he had a beard. beard. But, like... So, first what? of all, like, is he's in his 40s, why is he stooping? Right, he's not that old. She's old enough to still be lovely Louise, but you're stooping like an old man. And But also, like, we you have exes, and it could be 12 years, I could imagine. I would... We're in our 40s, and we're thinking, I would recognize the person that I was madly in love with. I can remember who I was madly in love with when I was 13. Especially I know when it exactly goes wrong. What it like, like, she turned him in. Like, I feel like... Honestly, for me, like, when it goes wrong, I'll see someone who doesn't even look very much like them. I'm like, is it them? Right. You know, because oh, you're like, yeah. you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. And you get that, like, 
someone's very vaguely in the category of them, just posture or body language or something, and you like have this moment. Yeah, especially because she was getting those letters. And when you met the guy as Eric Leitner, I would be I would be suspicious of every man who approached me. Like, but it's the literal same. Like, you, she married the same guy without knowing it was him. I just, I just, she, and, and, then, and they didn't paint her as stupid. Like, she's speaking in French, too. Right, and she's, she's well-read. She was very well-read. They read. do talk about how, like, her books all indicated that she was a kind of a person who actually preferred to be alone. Yeah, Toro had all this weird psychology stuff about how she admired independent. She admired, like, I looked at her books and I could see that she was smart, but she admired independent women. She didn't really want to get married, but she did get married because he dominated. It was like all this crazy psychology stuff that you're like, all right, Paro. Yeah, and then, so, yeah, we're just not buying it. We're just not buying it. I mean, I guess. So, and, like, if it, I could see this, like, in a face-off situation or, like, a Kardashian situation. Like, someone, like, completely transforms. Like, Khloe Kardashian's ex could marry her now and not know it's her because her face has completely changed. <laughs> see, I don't even know what she looked like before or after because I have never, I never I don't watch them. it either, but I just, unfortunately, I live in this country and they, I can't help but know these things. But, like, there are people who significantly change. But, like... In 1935, without having gone through, right, burn reconstruction or something like that, and they didn't indicate he'd had any surgeries right. to change his look. He they just, just said stupid and then, beard. I'm like, he's supposed to be a Swedish archaeologist. Like, I just can't imagine that in that field that there wasn't like that there. You know, I mean, like, like in archaeology that like he managed to be the leader. Of this dig. Like, he, it's his dig. He's the leader. So, like, he's built up in this field, but he's never come across someone who was like, hey, you didn't actually go to school. That's not the same person, because I met Dr. Leitner, who actually went to graduate school with me or whatever. Right, right. Like, it's a networking field, I imagine. Right. Like you can't just right work your way up at a factory kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, right. And, it, and just, then the reason why the letters didn't come for Dr. Leitner was because it was him. And then they did come later is that Louise oh, right. she fell in love with Richard Carey. And Richard Carey fell in love with her. And so then she started having an affair. And that's when the letters started. Right. And, and that's why I thought the letter started right after the marriage. Because he wanted to distinguish himself from the letter writer in case she started to recognize him. So oh, right yeah. after they got married... He did one letter, and then the fake gas bomb thing, mm. and then later when she oh, started, yeah, the yeah. So I'd have to like look but, at the and, and that's the other thing is what is his motivation? So like, Pro made it seem like he like okay, so he's had time to like excel in his field, assume an identity, go to Iraq a lot, but then he stays up in top on top of his ex. Remember and like can stalk her well enough without a network to like know when she's getting close to dating someone, but while he's also overseas and then Oh good point. I never thought about that. Right, because you're doing archaeology with your colonialism elsewhere. Right. And then so he's he's stalking her. Right. But then also like his motivation is like not anger that she turned him in for being a spy, but a real, real, real long con to marry her again. 10 and to then, 15 years later. Right. And then when she falls in love with his best friend, um, then... She wasn't loyal the first time, dude. She turned you in. Right. Yeah. Like... 
But I, I just, I, I literally couldn't figure out his motivation because I was like. Right, because the motivation for killing her, I think, was because she was having an affair. Yeah, and at first I missed it. I was like, if why did he just kill her at any point in this time? But if he didn't want to kill her, his motivation was to remarry her again. Right. But then she starts cheating, and now he kills her. But, like, what? Like, but, like, she turned you in, like, you, so you had time to, like, ah. Right, so. Like, his motivation to stalk her and then marry her again, like, why 10 years or 12 years? Like, why not five? How do you know when your ex will forget what you look like so you can marry her again? Right. And, and she's not dumb or, or, you know, didn't have a vision impairment or... Right, right. So... It and, was... And then ahead. how he did the murder. Oh, right. We didn't even get to that. Right. So he on he, the roof this whole So time. he was on the roof and this is what Miss Johnson figured out. So her window was open. And what happened was is that he dropped down the mask that he had come up with to, like, scare her earlier and put it outside of her window... And so she came out and stuck her head out because she was like, what the heck's that? Yeah, so she she puts her head out the window and looks up towards the roof to see what where that thing is coming from. Something he's dangling down from the roof. And then as she looks up, he drops like a gourd on her head or like a, you know, ancient artifact right. pot on her but head. But somehow the gourd was attached to a rope. Yeah, so he drops it on her head and then pulls it back up. Right. Um, and then, so then he keeps working for an hour to right. make sure... That, and that's why he had hired a nurse. So that when he goes, he goes to the room an hour later, air quotes, finds him, finds her dead. But he actually goes in, moves her away from the window, puts her by the bed. Sees, Shut, shuts the window. Shuts the window. It. Sees the blood on the, on the carpet. So moves that in front of the sink or the wash basin. And then comes out like, <gasps> she's dead. And that's when the nurse can say, and that's why he hired a nurse, because he wanted someone medical to say she'd been dead at least an hour. He didn't just walk in and kill her. Right. So this is one of those things that, like, I feel like, because we know that Agatha Christie had now been traveling with her second husband to a lot of days. And this is, so remember in the last book, there was, like, the introduction of archaeologists. Right. you pointed out. And I was like, oh, this is murder with archaeology digs. Right, so she's definitely, like, you know, placing her murders here now. Um, and um, so I'm guessing that she was at a tell and was, like, looking at the architecture going, huh, how could we do a murder that no one could solve? And then yeah. she came up with the dropping something down the window and then back up. And that was a smart, that was a smart way of, like, you know. But the, yeah, but the... The marrying your ex-husband thing. And the motive motivation thing was just yeah it was yeah and i think because it's interesting because i know that there's ones that i've reread out of pleasure i know that there's ones that i've avoided because they're sad and this one i had read a couple times but i hadn't reread and when i was reading it i was like oh i like loose leather why didn't i watch read this one again but i think it's because it annoys me because like and like i just one i just don't think you could like Date and marry your ex and not realize, even if it's like, like literally someone I dated in middle school, I think I'd be like, you seem real familiar. Right. And like, we're aware that we have types, but like the same actual person. The same actual person. Yeah. I mean, that is. Even like people gain and lose weight and like, that's not going to fool me. Right. Like, there are people where I've been like, oh, wow, you're different. You've gained weight. You've lost weight. You're, you know, like, that's usually 
those are the usual two, or you've lost your hair or whatever. I know, there's so many. But yeah, they're the same. Body language takes it, even if you were playing a different part and you were like new to train. Like you can't, there's a lot of just ways that you move that you recognize someone along. Oh yeah, like yeah. And, but also like 12 years is not a lot of time. Right. And I so just... that's the part where I'm just like, I'm sorry, I'm a, a woman in my 40s and I'm like, yeah, 12 years, I can tell you. Right. Um, I know they talked about how her marriage was brief. But, but still, it was it was it was it was a marriage, enough. yeah. And then and then his long con of like stalking her and threatening her and then marrying her again, like and you want to marry again the woman that turned you in for being a spy, right? And this goes to the like, and that was like she was so, so beautiful that she makes people do crazy things. And then again, come on, Agatha, I I say I I know I've said it already, but seriously, what does that mean? Like I. I don't know what that means. Maybe I just haven't been around enough beautiful people to understand people who are so beautiful that you they make people crazy. But like so crazy that you would like spend your time stalking. Like I'm going to be real accomplished in my field, in my fake field. Right. So I'm like not only am I being accomplished, but I'm also like making it up as I go because I don't have the training I say I have. I'm doing all this stuff overseas, but I have time to keep an eye on my ex. Right. And then like send her threatening letters whenever she gets close to someone. So I stalking her right and then to what end so eventually i'll decide okay now it's been 15 years let me swoop in like you're just treading water stalking her for so long to remarry her like what yeah and then like no one else can have you if i can't so you fell in love with my best friend so i'm gonna kill you so i yeah the and then and then Poirot's thing was like he was describing that what's his name could have killed her because he hated her, the friend. Right, because and he's he felt like guilty. He hated her for making him love her, like right. he hated her. And then meanwhile, meanwhile, Doctor Leidner did love her, which is why he killed her. So like, you're right, like this whole like she... extreme emotions and mixing of love and hate, but just right. But also, convince me that I would marry an ex. Yeah, I just again. don't buy it. Even a brief ex. I'm Even like... a brief ex. If I had, I mean, I think slept she... with someone. Yeah. I again, think... like, yeah, bodies. Think... You <sighs> what? Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot. I just I can't I can't buy that one. I mean, it was a good twist because you could definitely couldn't see it coming. That her but ex... also like it's more satisfying when you get to a twist and you go ah. It was all there and I didn't see it. But in this one, it was not there. We didn't see it because it doesn't make any damn sense. Like, yeah, unless he had, like, had, maybe he was hurt in the train and, like, had to have racial reconstruction. Like, if they had said he was majorly scarred, you know what I mean? If there was a way of being, like, something major about him had changed besides just him, like, putting on a Swedish accent and growing a beard. Right, right, right. I just can't. I just can't. I also, like, he travel. I mean, if he travels from Britain to, or no, he was supposed to be Swedish-American, to uh, Iraq, don't you think people were like, don't you want to go visit Sweden? Or right, whatever? He never runs into, like, a Swedish colleague who's like, oh, this is Dr. Later. he's Swedish. And then he gets trapped, like, not speaking Swedish. Right. Like, how would you, I mean, because Europe, they're clearly traveling because this is a place that was full. There was... Father Leitner was pretend French. He was real French. It was real French. He was a fake father, but he was real French. Real French. 
uh, we had a couple Americans, we had British, we had right Swedish. So like it's Louise not English speaking French with the fake father. So it's like yeah, people are gonna expect you to be able to speak Swedish. It's like you're gonna come across a Swedish person. At some right, point. Like, right. Like, did it's he not just like learn pretended... Swedish in his, in his spare time? Like, could he have pretended to be an Australian? Like, something <laughs> that, like, people don't come off, you know, like. But, yeah, I, yeah, he must have learned Swedish in his spare time. He used, what is it, Duolingo? <laughs> yeah, he was using 1935 Duolingo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just don't buy it. Like, yeah, the, his, he, he, the, the main thing was, like, Mary York. But then I was like, there's, how would he have, because when I reread it, I was like, but like, also, how did he impersonate this guy? I wanted him to be something like less specifically ethnic and less specifically professional, where you could just be like, "I am rando guy," and now I became an archaeologist. But like, right. he inherited the, the niche career, right, of dead guy he's impersonating, right. So he gets off. Okay, so he gets off the train. He's like, "Cool, I'm this guy now." How do I be an archaeologist? I'm going to... Um, right. I mean, I guess you just catch me if you can. Right. But for 15 years without... Like, yeah, just catch me if you can. Like, yeah, you're going to run into somebody. Especially if catch me if you can. It wasn't He wasn't necessarily being a real person. Right. He, you're right. He wasn't impersonating a particular person. He was just Who like, could run into you and be like, you're not that person. No, you're right. It just was like, what? Yeah. And then I just can't, you can't tell me I would marry an ex. And this woman's like, well-read, smart. Yeah. She didn't have any impairment that would be like, oh, that's why she didn't realize it was her ex. Because she was drunk all the time. Or because anything. Like, right. Like, yeah. So I brought up Oedipus <laughs> and... <laughs> oh, yeah. So my husband and Amanda both... Um, poo-pooed this but here's where i'm going okay, with okay. This. go with it go with it go with it Let's hear so this. i had to read oedipus in high school apparently not everybody does but i had to and i understand where it's where oedipus con, con, complex. Con, complex come from <laughs> I, it's not even like i've i just can't talk yeah, um, it's a weekend we've had half a glass each right uh, but um i guess that's just it's just a, a pre uh Pre-pandemic poor. I think right. that's, a, that's a real glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> so it, when I read it, and then it was this tragedy because he married his mom and then everybody died, right? There's other things that happened, but like that's the main... So actually but I, I read would... it. Did he not know it was his mom? Yeah, he I didn't he... know he married his mom. Oh, see, when you were saying explaining this earlier, I was like, huh, I guess because I never read it. So I always thought he was like purposefully marrying no he didn't know he married his and mom she didn't and, know? and i was stuck they, neither of them knew i can't remember i don't think either of them knew and i was kind of stuck there did, did she not raise him i can't remember yeah. it was a very long time ago <laughs> i had to read it in freshman english um miss hooten i think oh, um miss hooten. uh but you know like so but i remember reading it and being like but you know what i, I y- yeah you okay so we got cut off um the other night we were recording and um our uh, podcast application decided that we had gone on far too long (laughs) (laughs) like after an hour actually we're done we're not um, even gonna tell you 
And because uh, the, the technology seems to operate differently when we're in the same place. Right, right. See, but um, we weren't done. So take that application. Right. We <laughs> talked for a good 21 minutes. Well, it gave minutes. us time to look up um, Oedipus, which is like, you know, something that's easy, very easy, to, information that's easy to find out. Right. So apparently we're, we, when Oedipus uh, did not grow up, with his father or his mother. So when he killed his father and married his mother. I just tried to say killed his mother and married his father. And that, that's not what happened. That's not what happened. Uh, <laughs> but um, that ne- nobody knew. Nobody knew. that Because they didn't grow up. Yeah, but, and, and then he's looking for the murderer of his father. Who turns out to be him. Right. Um, but there was also a dude who told him that he would do that. There was a prophecy. There was a prophecy on both sides. That's so, an aside. That's not what this podcast is about. <laughs> but but my point was <laughs> that back my point was back in high school, my main thought was, yeah, I don't believe that you could marry yeah, your but, mother and but, not know okay, it. Okay, but so now could you marry your birth parent? That's the question. Yeah. I mean, I so you know what I mean? Like not people don't always um favor their birth parents. Yeah. And so like a person could be adopted and, and marry their birth parent. And, and I also think I, I was probably, as a freshman in high school, stuck on the age difference that, you know, the mother is probably 20 years older than him. But now that I, I'm older, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, but not, you're not Oedipus-y older. I'm not oedipus older. You couldn't be your husband's mother, which no. I appreciate about <laughs> your relationship. I respect that. I think that's <laughs> one of the best things about your relationship. <laughs> I'm not old enough to be his mother. Yeah, good. Um, All right, so we cleared up our. But 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 this my the reason I brought up Oedipus the whole thing was because it's not a good analogy for this book. But the reason I brought it up, and so it turns out I was right about that not being. (laughs) (laughs) My point about bringing it up was marrying your ex is different than marrying marrying your your birth parent. Okay, but but Chris said it's about types that we have types. Yeah. And the, so the Oedipal complex. Um, <coughs> I don't think we can make that an adjective like that. I think it's Oedipus complex. I don't, Oedipus think, it, I don't complex. think you make it Oedipal. I think, you just <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Oedipus complex. Oedipus complex. Okay. Um, but that that is like this idea that you are attracted to people like your mother. Which is totally true. Um, when, um, but then if uh, the same idea that Mrs. Leitner was attracted to the same kind of person. Right. Uh, but then, you know... So the, much so, it was the same person. It and was like that, actually... That was, that was the point that I think we got cut off on that I do think was valid, that it's sort of like sometimes you, your type is so typey that, you know, your family will call the person the old person's name because they're just so similar or right, whatever. Right, it's so similar. Oh, yeah, definitely we've... And yeah. that, you know, I definitely think that can be a thing, but... You still think, even if... Because I think when you have a type and you keep being the same kind of person, to you, they're totally different. You know? Right. Right. I've Although, had this conversation where, like, the people that I have dated who might have been similar to the outside world, to me, were very different from right. each other. But it's like, if you, you know what I mean, like, look at, like, masculine to androgynous lesbians of a certain, like, look... <laughs> <laughs> to me, there's a wide variety of them, but to an outsider, they'll be like, those are all like kind of within the same, you know what I mean? And right. Like, oh, totally. Well, but I remember there was a certain point where I was dating, because I would be like, oh, this guy looks totally different 
And then after I dated them, I was like, oh my God, you're the same, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, you definitely have a type. I would go, but no, I meant like same personality. Like there was oh, well, a while there yeah. where I was dating the same personality where I was like, do you go into a, a, a box where you change and come out looking like a totally different person, but you're actually the same person? Oh yeah, no, it's true both in terms of... Yeah, so that, that anyway. Looks, yeah, those are two separate issues, is the looks type and the personality and type. And the personality type, because there was definitely a, a, yeah, I would, in my 20s, it was the same personality. Personality type. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I didn't shy away from the fact that I had the, a, um, a common physical type. That I didn't mind, because I was like, but when we ended up having the same, like, uh, like arguments, and I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, I didn't do this. You were the same so, person over again, again, over and over and again. Yeah. So, um, okay. So, what else did we talk about when we lost the? Well, ending? we spiraled into this actually fascinating um, thing. Oh so yeah. So it turns out that the lovely Louise of the book, who's the woman who gets killed, is actually based on a person that Agatha Christie knew, IRL. Right. So it was her name was Catherine Woolley. And she was um, someone that she met through this archaeology community. Right. Also married to an archaeologist like Agatha. And she had been remarried and had apparently had this sort of dynamic personality that people had a very strong reaction to who either loved her or hated her. There was a lot of information online about her relationships being asexual because she had a certain... Woman's health condition <laughs> spiraled into that. It felt like a violation of her HIPAA. <laughs> totally, totally. But the point was, is that she was. She, so, and you kept saying, "I want to meet one of these women that she talks about, where they make." You know, you were kind of. You kept. I think you sort of were thinking it was unrealistic. These types of women that make people have this strong reaction. But I have known a few. Okay, and I don't fair. know if you ever have, but like it sounded like this was an actual woman who was had it? this personality that people had strong reactions to positive or negative right and so yeah so a lot of she was famous enough that people re- talked about the book and going oh the book is about her oh and she had ms so much hipaa information about her online i mean i guess they can't hipaa doesn't apply yeah um, once you're once you're past or well also she died in 45 so there was no hipaa there was no hipaa that happened in the early 2000s that's but fair um but it was fascinating. So yeah, we we spiraled into that. And like we that. also spiraled into the reviews of this book. <laughs> yeah. So back in the day, we weren't we were not original to think that um, that this was an unrealistic thing to happen. And all of the reviews at the time, without spoiling, were sort of like it's an ingenious plot, but you've got to understand that it's completely unrealistic. Yeah, the quotes are just awesome because people were like, "Yeah, no." Okay, where were they quotes? We wanted it, yeah. Um, the first one that goes, uh, expert in building up her dissective stories, as such, to astonishing, though sometimes very far-fetched conclusions. So that was the first one. That was, like, the nicest one. Um, Archaeology Dig provides unusual setting, expert and ent- entertaining presented, Wife victim, surely based on Catherine Woolley, because, you know, and very well done, so apparently. And that this, um, in summary, 
marred by an ending which goes beyond the improbable to the inconceivable. Yeah, because it doesn't make any sense. Uh, It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. The plot is ingenious and the murder is cleverly contrived, but the conditions um, are, as described, would render the principal preliminary conditions of the story impossible. So, like, it's a very fancy way of saying what we said. Yeah, no. This couldn't have happened. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. So, um... Yeah, the New York Times, they, yeah, so these are all um, the Times Literary Supplement, the New York Times Book Review, The Observer, The Daily Mirror. They were like, a good murder, but. Yeah. But. Uh, it's just, like, yeah, and like nobody said, buys not, it. It's not satisfying if the, the solution was something that would never happen. Right, it's not satisfying if the solution isn't something that we could figure out from the clues. Right. Yeah, and, and we couldn't, so it's not fair. Yeah, so maybe I should look at pictures of this Catherine Woolley. Maybe it's not about pictures of her. It's it's a personality. She must have had... It's yeah. a combination of beauty and I mean, charm. I mean, I had a friend like that. Like, one of my friends in my teens and early 20s had this, like, very sort of divisive personality, which was, again, sort of drawn again, like, people who were sexually attracted to her or people that hated her. And I was one of her few... Um, like non-sexual friends, but like it seemed like people were either wanted to sleep with her or didn't like her a lot, and she fostered that. You know what I mean? She sort of like enjoyed. I would joke that she would like just flip her hair and like literally hit people in the face. You know what I mean? (laughs) Just sort of. You know, I think she fed into that. She had that energy, and she fed into that energy. So I do. I do. There are people who you know give people a strong reaction yeah yeah and apparently um agatha imagined killing them (laughs) or that because they draw a strong reaction they might make people kill someone or might make people kill someone yeah well say that again without the yawn (laughs) or might make people kill someone (laughs) oh god oh or might Make people kill someone. I'm a, I'm a worse voice coach in person. I'm being annoying. <laughs> well, now I would like to apologize to any listeners we have for the amount of times that I use the word like. We were going back to listen to where we were and listening to your own voice is always rough. It's rough. It's rough, but I definitely the, I don't think I say that word when I'm teaching. Like I, in my everyday life. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm not teaching. As when I'm speaking in my everyday life. <laughs> but I apparently when I'm doing this, I'm like, I like, I like, I like, I'm a, I'm a valley girl. And valley girls don't even exist anymore in 2021. No, it's just a speech filler. It is definitely a speech filler. It's a hard habit to break. And I think we may have, um, I mean, maybe we could be pygmalioned or... Yes, maybe we could be. Um, what's the other one? What's the musical? My, My Fair, Fair Lady. Lady. Yeah. If you had a, if we, uh, you're not the only one. If we had an elocution coach, could we be cured of that? Uh, perhaps. If we ever finish all the Agatha Christie books, that can be our next one. Right. 
practice. Uh, elocution practice. Wow, that sounds like a fun podcast. Pain falls mainly in the plane. That one, yeah. Woo, vote for that one. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred year old mysteries were dry. <laughs> then wait till you hear us practice our <laughs> syllables over and over again. Well, if I could do Moses supposes and turn it into a tap dance, I'd be okay with it. You know, I tried to use that. I had to do a post test for a webinar I was teaching and I had to come up with like 15 questions or something. And I did like 14 serious questions. And then one of them was like, because it's a foot class, right? So I was like, the question was like, Moses supposes his toes are blank or something like that. <laughs> it was like roses. <laughs> like it was a multiple choice question, but I, I would was, love that. They, they didn't use it. They, they just like 14 questions is fine. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I was hoping that like, you know, I would make someone laugh. <laughs> you make the <laughs> one person get... who watches Singing in the Rain Not laugh. One person. Fair. It's a famous movie. It's a famous movie. Okay, so we are now... Do you remember already what it was? We looked up the next book, but I don't remember now. Uh, no. Oh, it's the ABC Murders. Oh, it's the ABC Murders. That's right. We're, and it, So it's it's not a murder in a bottle. Because... <laughs> Bottle episode. It's not. Is murder in the bottle? I don't know. I I think we could start. I think we should make that a expression. Yeah, murder Murder in in the bottle. bottle. Yeah. (laughs) Christina Aguilera (laughs) take on murder. (laughs) Christina, yeah, it's murder in the bottle. (laughs) Okay, I'd like to apologize for that as well. Um. Yeah, so, but yeah, what we mean is, yeah, everyone's contained in one space. ABC Murders is not that. It's the whole country of Great Britain. The whole country. And it's, it's another Paro, and it is a serial killer one, which will scare me. I, I did read it already, but I have to go back. Yeah, but we talked about that there's a couple of... Um, versions that have been filmed one from the 60s starring tony randall which is just goofy and silly which who would think that making a goofy and silly one about a serial killer right um and then uh there was the one just from a few years ago starring john malkovich yeah my one on audible the cover has it and it just creeps me out because he can be kind of a creepy yeah yeah kind of kind of dude yeah so um Anyway, so it's been filmed a couple of times. We can talk Although about Although I think that. he would capture the dislikable qualities of Praro. Yeah. You know how he, like the abrasive Praro, probably is kind yeah. of John yeah. Malkovich-y. Yeah, and Tony Randall was just way too skinny when I saw that version of him. Because Praro is... Malkovich is pretty skinny too. Yeah, well, Praro, I imagine, is a... They always describe him as egg-shaped. Well, except for... David Suchet is, is a small person. He's not, you know, who's the, I don't remember, who's the, the curvy guy, who white-haired Colonel, uh, Colonel Sanders guy who does it? Uh, it, you know? Yeah, yeah. The Bernie Sanders one? Yeah, he's a little Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders, Sanders-y, Sanders-y? For Peter, Peter Ust- Ustinov. Ustinov. He's yeah. the one. He's probably my favorite. Yeah. Paul. And then... 
Kenneth Branagh. Albert Finney did it. Oh, he was the one in the Murder on the Orient Express. And then David Suchet is probably the number one. It's like trying to find the recipe. There he is. Yeah. He's a cutie pie in that picture. Yeah. Um. All right. So, um, don't marry your ex. Yeah. Because, and for all you. sorts of reasons. I mean, look what happened to Elizabeth Taylor. I mean, you know. Did she marry her ex? Oh yeah. I mean, on purpose. Like they knew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who's gonna tell her? <laughs> yeah. They got came apart and together and part together. Cut uh, her and Richard Burton oh, several right, times. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, that's right. Oh my gosh! If you ever watched their version of Taming in the Shrew, where they like had heat but also argued with each other, mm-hmm. excellent job. Yeah. Um, because it really was like their relationship where it's like, I'm very attracted to you, and yet I also hate you. You know, yeah. like. Um, so I, anyway, um, so yeah, don't marry your ex and, um, read the ABC murders and we will talk about it next time. Okay. All, All right. right. Thanks. Thanks for uh, joining us on this special in-person edition of Pro Pod and we will see you remotely again next time. Next time. All right. Bye. Bye.